0: Mm. Mm-hmm. you. Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller.
1: I'm Matt Henry, and I'm going to make a comment about how I'm amazed we're going to actually do this because I put the chip in wrong, the memory chip.
0: Yeah, but you caught it. I caught it. You corrected yourself.
1: I corrected it. That would have really annoyed me if we had done two podcast recordings without recording. That would have been classic. Yeah. So, with that, <laughs> that's our
0: banter for the day. All right. Um, take it away. What are okay. we talking about? So we're gonna. <laughs> so, so we we wrote something, or had the idea to write something a long time ago. Yep. Uh, so this this has just been sitting in the archive for what a year, ish.
1: Maybe even more than a year. Yeah. We have all kinds of just golden material waiting to come out that you guys don't even know about.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> our, sure. What do you say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so we're going to talk about um, something called discernment blogs. And I like the title, Discerning the Discernment Bloggers.
1: Who came up with that title? I did. Did you really? Yeah. Dang, damn it. I thought what? I did.
0: Oh, no.
1: Well, that's the next untitled, Matt. <laughs> I like this title. If you can't tell, we're both in a bit of a mood, me <laughs> especially. So we'll try to maintain some semblance of professionalism here.
0: I still say we video record these so people can see the real. That would be for, for
1: paid members. Yeah. Kind of like the Rush Limbaugh ditto cam. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts on that. Special would you pay to watch us do this?
0: Yeah. We need to monetize <laughs> this somehow. The very thing we'll rail against you yes. in a few minutes. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, some of you might not even know what we're talking about with discernment blogs. Um, but for those of you who do, uh, this is for you. Um, so the, qu- the, qu- the question is, what do we... <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> the, 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 qu- the question is, what do we do with Get these... Get to your microphone. Yes, sir. Uh, what do we do with these sites? Um, you know, are, are these a gift to the church at large? Are these things tools of Satan? Uh, do they provide an important service to people regarding biblical truth, or should they just be shut down in the name of all things good and just? Um, yeah, you're already getting the sense of exactly our feelings about this whole thing. Yeah. So, quick, just uh, what—really quick, what is a discernment blog, just so they—
1: well, a discernment blog is just simply, uh, a, usually some guy in the basement of his parents um, <laughs> who wants to be a teacher or pastor, but he can't get along with anybody. I'm being snarky here, but well, it's accurate. I'm, not, I'm not that far from the truth for many of these. Um, and and they what they find out is that people love controversy, so they start to blog about it. So they are searching, they usually have some pet Issue, um, like one of the sites will make reference of, they're really against all things in the cont- uh the mysticism contemplative or complete. How do you say it? Contemplative, contemplative. movement. Uh, they hate that as well as psychology. Uh, we actually have some level of agreement with some of the things they. Think, but the manner in which they do it is that if you make any mention of any person, uh, somebody wrote a book that was actually useful, even though they also hold to some things we don't agree with, and we were to make reference to them, then we come under their crosshairs. And now they they say that they're they're advocating this false doctrine that has never been advocated, um, but it gets people all. Uh, tied up and and people start clicking on, it and then they start sharing it, and and they get paid by the number of clicks that are coming into their site, and because their advertisers are able to then see that they're driving traffic, so they they make a much ado about nothing usually, but it sounds like it's something really bad.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they're very cutting. Oh and, yeah, and it's it sounds bad, but I, I've actually read a few, and I'm I literally. Am uncontrollably laughing out loud because it's so like you. You think it's satire almost, but these these guys are dead serious, and it's very sarcastic and very unedifying. I shall say. Yeah,
1: but they they're so sincere about it, yeah. and <laughs> um, and all they're trying to do is warn the church, and yeah. and so that's they're a watchdog. Yeah. That's what we call them, is just a watchdog, and that's what they see, but they're Uh, self-appointed. Very seldom are they under any level of accountability.
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, they call themselves discernment ministries, these kinds of things.
1: And then defend that by taking a bunch of verses on discernment out of context.
0: Right, right. So a while back, we actually came under the crossfires of a so-called discernment blogger And it was quite fascinating to just sort of watch as it rolled out, and I mean, he was—he's a very minor guy with a very minor blog, and so his effect on us and our church um, was rather tame in comparison to some of these more heavy hitters on the internet. But he was trying to make a name for himself, and we ended up becoming the guys that he decided to go after. I mean, he actually—the way we came in contact is that. He showed up
1: at our church one day mm. and just started attending, and I always thought he was a little off, but, you know, it's like, okay.
0: Yeah, but then the threats started coming, and yeah. all very publicly, too.
1: Yeah, all over Facebook, and he was just trying to—he was trying to—all he was claiming to do was, I'm, j- I'm just—I think the members of Missio Day Fellowship want to know, do you believe this? And he was trying to get me to say something, deny— or affirm and and get a conversation going on the online where he, then he could
0: take more things out of context and yeah you know well did I ever tell you he sent me a private message no and basically told me he's like I know you're associated with Matt Henry and I just want you to understand and be warned as to the danger of him and he <laughs> says so I don't I like you he says but unfortunately if you don't pull away from him I'm going to have to Attack you as well, basically, and I. Okay, <laughs> yeah, we
1: shut them down hard. Yeah, um, and and we actually met with the uh, the key people in our church who were being affected by them, and just I I just told them I showed them everything that was going on, walked them through the timeline, and I found that that just dealt with a lot. Quicker. Now he was easy though because he's a minor player. I yeah, mean, if yeah. it was one of these big guys like pulpit and pen or something like that, I mean, what a pain. And and you almost can't say anything because anything you say will then get twisted
0: yeah, it's all the more. For sure. um, but they're very popular. Yeah. So so over the years though, um, countless people we know have um, come up to us at different times with looks of anger, disgust, fear confusion, worry. Um, And they had a friend who sent them a link from one of the well-known discernment blogs about some person, for example, that we mentioned in a sermon or a book that we read uh, or a pastor that we quote. And you know they're concerned that we're somehow moving toward apostasy or corrupting sound doctrine or participating in deeds of darkness, as they like to (laughs) call it. Um, And what followed was often a very unpleasant uh, and unfruitful time trying to convince them that the blog was not correct, um, and usually it just ends with them leaving the church. And so we don't we don't have personally a lot of love for these blogs, and so we want to give a short episode here, just giving you our personal thoughts and perhaps giving a bit of pastoral advice that some of you might hopefully find helpful. Yeah, and if we're
1: lucky, um, somebody will share this to one of the discernment bloggers, and then they'll do a, a whole episode on us. And that will catapult us up into the next level of podcasting. We can only hope.
0: That's the goal here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's all about us and monetizing. (laughs) All right. So we're just going to give you some examples um, of what what, what it is we're talking about. Again, if you know these blogs and you already know what they're like, Uh, but – they're just simply examples that we've seen in our experience. We don't know about bloggers and situations in other countries, and since we have people around the world listening to us, we want you to know that. We don't know what goes on in South Africa. We don't know what goes on in uh, Ireland. Um, we only know about our situation, and so try to hear the concepts that are behind what we say so that you can then consider uh, them within the context that you live in in your culture and society. Uh, But back before there was the internet, uh, these guys would still lurk in various corners of Christendom. Um, I worked with uh, Grace Community Church. I was on staff there and John MacArthur. Uh, My very first job there was the mailman. And so, uh, John would get stacks of letters, and he would get these really thick ones. And I was friends with his secretary, and uh, so she would let me make copies of these letters um, just for my own files. And they would just be letters condemning him or inquiring about his supposed heresy regarding this or that, like the blood of Christ. Um, and and they would—at uh, the same time, at, at Grace Community Church— Every week you would come out and your car would frequently uh, have a one or two brochures stuck on its windshield condemning, again, the heresies of John MacArthur and come out from among them and uh, leave the impure church. Um, and and we would even have protesters on the sidewalk uh, outside the church carrying their placards. It, would, it just was part of going to Grace Community Church. Um, and back in the day, they would have groups that had these mailing lists, and they'd be banged out on... Um, Uh, a typewriter. If you have ever seen Conspiracy Report, uh, the movie, there's – I mean, he – cranked it out on a typewriter and then would mail it to his like 21 people <laughs> subscribed to his list. Well, that's actually what these newsletters would look like. And they would keep every subscriber informed of the latest horror in the land. And so I still have files filled with these brochures, um, but they all follow the specific pattern. Uh, what they would tend to do is take one or two statements that they disagree with and go beyond that context though, that was the statements were given. Then, they extrapolate the, act, the actual statement to something that was never said. So, example, John MacArthur taught that when the Bible speaks of the shedding of blood in Hebrews for the forgiveness of sin, it's not actually talking about the blood as much as the death of Christ, that, that there had to be death occurred. Well, people freaked out. They said that what he was really doing was denying the blood of Christ and teaching a false doctrine on salvation. And so he had like a 25-page standard response that when they, he'd get his letters every day about this, then his secretary dutifully just mail out 25 responses. Um, so what they do is they take the idea of being the true fighters for the faith to a level that's almost ridiculous. Without them, you would think that the whole of Christendom would fall into apostasy. But what people don't understand is that there's actually good money in this, and like many things, if you just follow the money, a lot of answers start to become clear. So we want to just give you some examples
0: now with that in mind of some of the more prominent ones. Yeah. And we're going to basically just give a couple of points on something that's good with them and then maybe something that's bad with them. Okay. So perhaps one of the most prominent ones is Pulpit and Pen. Yeah. Um. Though it's been rebranded as p and I actually don't know if there's at all still I around. think they have a new name now again they got kicked off of facebook or yeah, something yeah grayson and,
1: would know grayson is a, a member of our church and he's preparing to become one of our pastors he uh, he runs the course and chaos blog and yeah. he's he's up on all of this stuff cuz he he comes <laughs> under their crosshairs
0: <laughs> yeah yeah poor guy yep um so so pulpit and pen what's good about these guys well They do have access to a massive amount of information and are usually good for getting a quick uh, initial sense of some current situation, Um, but it usually ends right there. Um, And so we'll use them to track down some actual primary sources that allow us to look into possible challenges to our own church. So it's it's helpful in that sense of, but we'll go and we'll do the discerning ourselves. We're not looking for their commentary on it.
1: Yeah, so I'm making up a headline, but... Uh, John Piper shows his wolf in sheep's clothing through the denial of um, the infallibility of the word. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That'll get some clicks. So, well, if I were to click on that, then all I'm looking for is. Where are they getting this from? And usually if there's some kind of a link that I can click and get away from them quickly. and now I can look at what did John actually say? Because I know John well enough to say, I don't see him denying the infallibility of the word, right. Um,
0: but who knows? Yeah. So what's the bad? Most of what they say ends up being unhelpful at best. it's 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 not so much that they're filled with false doctrine as much as it's that they're so busy implying evil that so much that is actual evil in the churches today gets passed by. And so they're infamous for that classic guilt by association argument. In fact, that's— You need to be second, third, yeah. fourth-degree separation. Yeah. And, and
1: that's the thing that all of these guys follow, is that guilt by association. Um So the next one that we would uh, talk about would be a a very large blog. It's called the Wartburg Watch. Uh, And there is, again, some good. Um, Now, they are outside of Matt and mine's uh, theological position. They're Lutherans, um, that we really find little threat from them uh, by way of leading us or our members astray. Uh, We know that they are virulently anti-Calvinists. They're liberal-leaning in most things. And so we don't, we, we would never give any credence to their analysis of things. Uh, they have very little love for the conservative resurgence in the SBC because there is the Calvinism that's also in that. But like the pulpit and pen, they're rather good at being aware of problems before many others. And this is because they have such a large following that people will feed them information uh, before it becomes public so that you know, a major church is all of a sudden they just release a pastor for sexual impropriety, and they already know about that before anyone else. And so, in that sense, it's helpful for us to know what's kind of going on. Uh, They're rather determined on how long and hard they will dig into things. So, they also tend to be relentless. We had a guy, a local pastor up in um, Milwaukee area that um, uh, was part of the Reformed Baptist uh, churches, and he had charges of uh, child molestation, and for, he was growing into prominence. And they would not let that one go because they kept digging and digging. It was actually helpful because many, many people just kind of put a blanket cover on it and just decided to not talk about it, but it was a serious issue. And they and, and so uh, we'll give them that credit, that they are very determined. They get, just keep digging uh, in, and uncover information that lazier people would miss. Uh, they also cover issues that other blogs don't. Uh, one of their big one is abuse, especially sexual abuse. And I think it's one of their more redeeming features that that they're deeply concerned about the immorality of pastoral leadership today and the church and how broken that is. Having said that, the bad, they go over the top on how hard they push on things that are not sin. So, like the pulpit and pen, they demand that the people they talk about handle things in a way that only the Wartburg watch would do. Uh, So... They're the standard of how to do it, and so if they don't like how the leadership chose to handle this situation or that, even though it's not a wrong way, it's just the way they chose to, then they rail on that and talk about it. and then, then they begin to do that implication of what else are they hiding? Why would they do that? One wonders this, and now you're going down into the world of the supposition rather than the actual facts. Right. So they buy into the popular notions regarding abuse and victim theology, which is very bad, and they give credence to almost anyone who complains about how their church or pastors are not fair or are kind or or how they help. So in other words, they they presume the victim is telling the truth without proper investigation, and, and then they get it out there public before a proper investigation has been done and by that time people are guilty and, and yet no no investigations occurred. That's where it's a problem. Uh, the Southern Baptist Convention is most definitely a target for their derision. Uh, they t- attack any prominent leader who holds to a traditional complementarian position on men and women in the church, and so if you say anything like that and you're a Southern Baptist pastor and you're in some kind of prominence, eventually they will set their sights on you and tear you apart. Yeah. Uh, another one, is called the Lighthouse Trails Research Project. Do you ever look at that? Not this one, no. Yeah, that's why I thought I would just say it. Um... Uh, Lighthouse Trails Research Project, the good there is that they're very aggressive in giving pushback against the contemplative prayer movement and the rise of pure mysticism within the church. So I do appreciate that. They'll they'll let people know of how some pastor is now promoting some kind, I mean, actively promoting prayer mazes and blah, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. I, I appreciate them doing that. At the same time, uh, the bad is that they attempt to make a man like Omo- Moeller, Al Moeller look like he's pro homosexual. Like <laughs> yeah. he's not at all, uh, but according to them, he is. He's caving to the homosexual lobby. He's moving into apostasy. Now, all of this by, is by carefully connecting unconnected statements. And, and what they do is they create this fabric that appears solid, but in reality, if you begin to un- look at each statement, you realize they're not connected at all.
0: Yeah. And we didn't, we don't have it in here, but there's another one called Reformation Charlotte, yeah. uh, which is very similar to Pulpit and Pen. It's the same kind of stuff. Um, so they take the same approach, basically. So if you ever see anything by them, understand you're reading yet another discernment ministry, as they call themselves. Uh, another one that's newer is the Roy's report. Yeah,
1: this one is something you and I have been taking closer look at over the last
0: couple years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this one's a bit different than some of these others. Uh, she, Julie Roy's is her name. She's not so much a watchdog for doctrinal error, rather she focuses on uh, you know various abuses or what is being viewed as failures of church leaders. And she can be helpful at times to report what's going on in evangelicalism at large. Um, however, we would put this as a good thing in quotations um, because as we've been reading and watching her, her articles have become increasingly suspect in our minds. Um, so her bad, well, her claim to fame is she was involved with exposing some of the things going on with James McDonald and Harvest Bible Chapel, which were. Good. Yeah, I mean that, that, that one was legit, um, but since then, well, but
1: that's where she really broke out into the big leagues, right? And that's where the money started flowing. And and what you and I said was, now she's got this higher level, and people are clicking on her site more. Now right. you got to keep that going. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, so with that, she. It seems though that now she's drumming up content to to keep that following coming. You know? so, so she seeks to depict herself as objective, um, but a quick read through her personal comments as she interacts with people on her Facebook page, it reveals that she's not. Um, so she she has become, like some of those others, her own standard for what pastors and leaders should be. And so her, and I'll again put in quotations, her reports have become, in our minds, a little more than gossip columns at this point. Um, and I would say they appear to be slanderous because many of her articles have very little facts to support the claim. So the the newest one is her issue with MacArthur's lavish lifestyle. Yeah. And she's trying to expose all of his multiple sources of income and what he is or he isn't doing with that stuff. Um, But she herself admits that she never spoke with anyone at Grace Church, at Grace to You, uh, at any of these places, other than recently what appears to be a former... Sort of disgruntled employee. Well, and I'll go even a
1: step further because I personally know the guy. Um, he is a disgruntled employee, okay. and he's he's he he got let go after many years, and he's unhappy, and so he's been making things. I mean, if anything happens connected to John MacArthur, he gets on there on the Facebook pages and starts giving his personal little uh, thoughts on it. So she got a hold of him and he unleashed all kinds of nothing more than gossip yeah. um and it's from a guy who doesn't know all all the aspects of it but he's going to lay it out and it people are just greedily eating it up and uh the, like you said the comments are where when you go into the comments half of on the Facebook page where she's interacting with these people you really see how she just loves these just statements with no um no support to them but Correct. she just laps
0: it up yep yep and, well, as we are saying, you know, she, so so she, she needs to keep people coming back. Um, she needs to report those juicy tidbits that people like to be entertained with. And so, of course, she claims to do all of this now in the name of justice. Uh, our culture right now is just ripe for the success of yeah. these kinds of ministries, because it's all about the oppressed and the oppressee, um, you know, those kinds of things. So her following is made up of many who have bought into victimism, um, where everyone is essentially a victim of some kind of poor leadership. Um, so this, what does this do? It in turn creates a mindset in people that church leaders have to be perfect. But perfect at in the standard by which the person watching demands. Exactly. So she she would probably never say that, um, but it is that the ethos that's being created by consistently publishing articles on what appear to be failures in her mind. Um, so So she is one of those voices that comes across as you just said, that unless you meet her approval, you shouldn't be in ministry. And unless a person you're listening to meets her standard, then you shouldn't listen to them or hear their teaching or anything like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: it, it's funny with John MacArthur, um, how she talks about his lavish lifestyle and how much money he has. It's like he he does, he is the senior pastor of a major church. He also heads up a major you know, tape and... Uh, media ministry, a seminary, and a college. There, there's money uh, that comes with those. But also, he's written a million books, yeah. <laughs> and he gets royalties. Why does he get royalties? Because they're his work. Yeah. Um, and and somehow she she finds that offensive that he is profiting. If that's and I don't even think that's bad. But today, in our society today, the word profit is evil. But he's profiting off of the these things that he's labored on. At the same time, on every one of her posts on Facebook where she talks about all this, it says, click here to support the Royce Report. Right. And so it's like, and yet you're profiting off of your own work, and you have no problem with that. You have no problem saying, hey, if you want this to keep going, then you need to pay me money, and and so I'm going to profit off of complaining about people profiting. And it's like something's wrong there. Yep. So, so let's talk a bit then about the problem. The problem is— with this is not that they expose error. It's rather how they expose it, how they cast out their net of discernment and suspicion in the process. Uh, They will take a a, a bit of information and then end up working it beyond what that information should ever extend itself. Um, and, And so they create a whole different picture than actually what is. Or they'll take something troubling and then cast it in the worst possible light. So, it might be something that we're like, oh, I'm not sure I like that either, but they don't just throw that out there. They then, again, build off of that. Uh, this is usually done with the idea that they're merely functioning as servants of the church at large. Uh, they, they're making people aware of wolves and false doctrine that are lurking in the midst, and if they're ever challenged on it, then they tend to become even more nasty uh, they use their web platform to throw out a lot of smoke and angst to blur the actual challenge. Because, and you have to understand the reason for that is it generates clicks. People yeah. want to go back and say, ooh, what else did they say? And every time you're clicking, you're actually supporting their work. Um, so they, in our view, are not accountable To anyone, and there seems to be little, if any, real oversight from a local church, though there might be some exceptions. We may be wrong on this, but it seems to be the norm. Uh, We do not see retractions on these sites where some of the information given is acknowledged to be an error. That would be a shocking. Right. Thing to say, hey, you know what, we're wrong. Uh, we, we said this and it wasn't correct. Or, or they go way beyond what was known and they instead level whispers of ideas rather than actually cold, hard facts. So often you'll see it written like this. Uh, this is an actual quote from one major pastor. Apparently, has no problem with certain money loving mystical teacher who we dislike because he. Reco- oh no, that, that, this is me writing my own. A major pastor apparently has no problem with a certain money loving mystical teacher who we dislike because he recommends this person's book on the doctrine of the Trinity. We called his office, and he chose not to return our call, showing that truth is not truly his love. We can only wonder what other strange partnerships might take place that are not known to
0: us. Yeah. I mean that that, that, that that's classic. Yeah. well, that's true. and and I'll just I'm picking on her. but like with the Roys report, that's a classic line she'll have is I called, just to keep with the illustration, I called Grace Church and no one responded. Well, somehow that that lack of response is an indictment. Therefore, you know, they're guilty cuz they didn't respond to me. It's like, yes. well, they don't owe you anything. Yes. I mean. <laughs> so, it
1: it doesn't matter if the book that that pastor recommended was one of the best books on the Trinity. It doesn't matter if he says that he doesn't hold to the many other doctrines that the guy might be weak on. What matters is that this is a big name in the church and therefore it drives clicks and visits to their blog. So here's what Tim Challies writes about his own personal run in with these sorts of people. Uh, so he gives a firsthand information on what he experienced and, experienced, and it's not pretty. So here's actual quotes. Um, what, then they wrote about me. So he's talking about discernment bloggers and how he just, he, you know, he would use them and visit them. But he's like, then they wrote about me. They wrote about my financial situation. They wrote shocking exposés and went rummaging through the digital trash to dig up the smoking guns. They did not just report supposed facts, but also interpreted them. And then other blogs picked up the stories and carried them as well. And this clarified the situation for me. I wish my teacher here had been someone, something more nobler than personal attack, but sadly and pers- perhaps ironically, it was when I was in their crosshairs that they themselves came into sharper focus. Because here's the reality, so much of what they wrote about me had so little basis in reality. These bloggers misinterpreted even what was what is obvious and stretched what is true, assumed what is dubious, and fabricated the rest. They shared all of this with their readers as if it was based on verifiable facts, as if they were privy to details, as if it was anything more than conjecture.
0: Yeah, here's here's another example. Um, it says that, uh, and it's from Chao. Yeah. He yeah. um, says there there is a paradox in the way. They behave, and it has been so clarifying for me to see. They bemoan a leader's lack of love and respond by defaming him. They act as if they are humble truth seekers, but have a tabloid level threshold for their own scurrilous accusations. They give an appearance of being engaged in investigative journalism, but bear a far closer resemblance to tabloids. Worst of all, you and I are reading and believing them. We participate in their gossip and intimidation tactics every time we read their sites. He says, I am troubled and ashamed that it has taken me this long to understand how they operate. When this Christian leader or that one makes enemies and they begin to circle like hungry sharks, I tend to believe that they must have access to real facts and that on some level their motives are sound. I've allowed what they say to change the way I feel about men and women, brothers and sisters in the Lord I otherwise respect.
1: So he goes on to say, I repent of that. I'm I'm done.
0: Yep. So the question then before us is what do we do with them? What do we do with these kinds of blogs, and can we possibly provide a perspective that might be helpful to those who listen to this podcast? All right,
1: so our perspective. Like many things in the church at large, there is a sliding scale of value and vileness, or as we like to call it, faith and fable. Um, we're called as people of God to make judgments and to be discerning. So in John seven twenty four. Uh, Jesus said, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment, or First Thessalonians 5.21, but examine everything carefully, hold fast to that which is good. And beloved, every ministry does this to one extent to uh, to another. Uh, in fact, this podcast is actually doing it right now. Right. Some things fall into the category of heresy, and others will be bad doctrine, but not heretical And something may be weak doctrine, but not bad doctrine. Uh, These types of blogs tend not to make any sort of real distinction between these. And so they create this sense that they are the only folks who really know what truth is. And if something does not fit with their sense of doctrine, then it is evil and to be shouted from the mountaintops. So an example of this is how they all came out against Rosario Butterfield because of some statements she made regarding pronouns and such related to interacting with the homosexual and transgender world. No matter how much she explains what she means, it doesn't matter. The screeching and the hollering won't end until she fully agrees with their position. And so this creates quite a stir because so many today are weak in theology, and so they can't discern good and bad and weak doctrine. This is part of why we teach the way we teach in this podcast and at our church. What we're trying to do is equip the people of God to think well and discern on their own. Further, these blogs tend to be rather tribal. It's much like the state of politics in our day. If you know what a person thinks about one issue, likely you know how they think about every issue. The same is true with blogs like these. When when a person starts following one of these blogs, they tend to buy into everything the blog reports. They hold them up as near uh, nearly inherent truth. Uh, regardless of the merit of the claims. There's no exposition on the various passages and rarely any real argument put forth for why a person is right or wrong. Instead, they tend to make references uh, to a few passages, but there's very little nuance or care with biblical texts. Everything, in other words, is generally black and white where not much
0: care or precision is truly present. Yeah. Second, we would say follow the money. Right? Um, so realize that for many of these sites, controversy, as we've been saying, is the means for which for how they make money. So the greater the name and the more bombastic that you can be and the higher number of hits to your site, then the possibility for more money just becomes greater and greater. So realize that this is a big point and never underestimates its effect. So again, we're we're talking about Julie Roys of the Roys report. Her job is uncovering bad things, and so she is always looking for problems. She's trained her mind and her eye to find these. And so at times, she will grab hold of something that really has little hold on to. Um, And it's also ironic that she dislikes the celebrity culture of evangelicalism, and yet she's now posturing essentially to be that very thing. Isn't that funny? Um, So money is really a huge challenge in the church. Uh, We see it as we travel around the world. Um, those churches seeking to honor God and His word are often poor. Uh, they watch the prosperity preachers and the gimmicks that draw their people away with great dismay. and it's tempting, uh, very tempting to try some of those methods. Um, and because they just want to eat at times. yeah, right? it, 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 yeah, they're, they're, they're literally hungry. Yeah so so we I mean we see it in missions work as well. Uh, how many of you actually know what your missionaries do with their time and their energy? Many are hardworking and faithful, but there are also many others who do little because they're far away, and so they're, they're hidden from your sight. Um, in fact, we participated for a while with one group um, from whom we had to decide just to separate with um, as we just watched the way that they handled money. Uh, that w- it was disturbing to us. Um, it, there wasn't transparency uh, and, and things like that, and so we just pulled away. Um, So don't think that it's just these blogs who do this. Uh, It's not. The whole of the church, we would say in the West, is sick with this disease in spite of the many warnings from God to the contrary.
1: Yeah, the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, but we don't really believe it here in the West, do we? Right. Um, So as a whole, these sites, the biggest problem is that they're self-defeating. They all end up devouring one another given time. Uh, Pulpin and pen, in fact, actually came under the scrutiny of another site that was called the beginning of sorrows. And it was an ugly, nasty, and hilarious uh, event all at the same time because they're both attacking each other now. Um, They're all trying to grab hold of the same piece of the pie, so to speak, and that gets hard to do. And so the result is that they tend to try to outdo each other with outlandish headlines and clickbait. Uh, We thought of giving some examples, but really don't want you to then use them to search to hear the stuff behind the headline. Suffice it to say, if you hear some shocking headline like, John MacArthur defends homosexual lies from the pulpit, or the heresy of John Piper's aberrant theology of (laughs) justification— you're likely seeing it from one of these sites. <laughs> uh, um, we do not follow these people to any degree, and we would w- would say you should not either. Uh, they will have helpful material on their site. We'll, we'll grant them that. But it's so much mixed in with unhelpful and even evil or bad stuff that it can be very problematic. Um These are people who should not have influence in your life. That is the role of your husband or your parents or your church leaders. And for us, this is the crux of the issue. None of these blogs are under the shepherding of a local church and elders. They're they're men and women at large seeking to defend truth. However, biblically, this is always the job of elders for the protection of the sheep entrusted to them. Think about what 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4 says. He says, Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd, the flock of God, among you. So not at large. Don't become the elder at large. Among you, shepherd them, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, so you're not to generate your clicks, but instead with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but instead proving to be examples to the flock, meaning... They can observe your lifestyle because you're among them. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory.
0: I wonder if when he does appear, and so many are thinking that they're going to receive those words of well done or receive great crowns for their, quote, defense of the truth, and they're just met with...
1: I never knew you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you're laughing. I
1: mean, and it, I, I it's tongue-in-cheek to a degree, but it's like... Boy, you tie a millstone around yeah, these people. Yeah. You, uh, you 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 harmed these people, and yeah. and then you wipe your mouth like the adulteress in Proverbs
0: and say, "I've done no wrong." Yeah, and it's one of those things why we understand. There's quite a few people that listen to our podcast that don't go to our church, but we say over and over and over again, this this is for our church. Yeah, that is why we do this podcast. Um, so. So in that passage that you just read, there are three points that we would say these kind of discernment ministries or bloggers tend to transgress, um, and hopefully they could hear it in the way that you read it. But first, that the mandate is upon the elders to protect. Um, They are to be the shepherd of the flock, and they are to shepherd the flock that is among them. And so the point is that this is to be done at a local and personal level. It is not the job of a self-appointed person to do this simply because they have access to something called the internet. Um, So much great evil comes from that. Second, the shepherding is not to be done for, as you said, sordid gain. And we've already talked about how much of it's done for the sake of money, um, certainly for the sake of influence. Um, Just knowing the basic temptations in general heart of man, it's difficult to deny that that is a motivator in much of this. Most of these sites are Monetized in some form, so in order to keep receiving money, they need to generate traffic. In order to generate traffic, uh, you need the newest, you know, scoop or um, scandalous tidbit. Um, that is not a pure motive and can be quite destructive, actually, to the church and people's faith. And I keep thinking about those hit pieces being done on MacArthur. It's clear I think that she wants to take him down because she dislikes his version of complementarianism. Um, and again, a lot of that's coming from the whole victimism yeah. approach that that's there. Um, but at what cost? Um, yeah, what are you really accomplishing? Yeah, because over and over again, there's the uh, you know admission that his teaching has done so much good and built up so much faith and brought so many to salvation. Um, third, the leaders of the church. Um, uh, protectors of the church, defenders of truth for the church, in other words, elders, are to prove themselves as examples to the church. So as you were saying, how are, how are you per, a personal example as you sit behind a keyboard? Um, people need to be able to watch and examine those who are to guard their souls. And so we would just say, if you don't have access to the personal lives of your leaders and teachers, uh, you should be very slow to listen to them. Um, so these are some basic thoughts on these blogs. Uh, in general, we would counsel you to stay away from them. Uh, you'll you'll never do wrong in simply going to your own pastor.
1: And, and and beloved, if if you tried to go to your pastor and he's too busy um, to ever invest with you personally in some way or ship, then you probably have a bigger problem, and you're not going to get it from your discernment blogger. What you what you very possibly have is a pastor who either needs help because. He's just overwhelmed, or more likely in many of this, because of the current way churches are being run, like CEOs and stuff like yeah. that, is that um, your pastor is not a pastor. Uh, he's something else, but he's he's not actually shepherding the people. He's, he's leading them in some business-like format, but, but not actually shepherding. So your bigger issue is not that. You perhaps need to find a, a more faithful church. Yeah.
0: So with all that, we hope this has been of some help. Um, We would really love to hear from you if you have any thoughts or questions on this. Uh, And then next time we'll talk about something else. (laughs) So until then, make sure to tune in, join the conversation. Uh, Again, we'd love to hear your thoughts on discerning the discernment bloggers. And don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell a friend. (music)